This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, I always love it when we have a friend on the show, and we have a great friend on the show today. She's head of ADAC, president of ADAC this year, the Association of Death Educators, and we've known her a long time through the Compassionate Friends. Do you want to introduce her? Sure, I would love to. We're going to talk today about wellness and grief, and our guest is Dr. Jane Bissler, and Jane is a clinical counselor and the clinical director for Counseling for Wellness and Kelly's Grief Center. A, not, a nonprofit organization counseling those who have experienced the heartbreaking reality of the death of a loved one. Her latest book is for children, and it's titled Hoover and Honey Bunch Find Comfort in a Sometimes Scary World. Jane is also the current president of the Association for Death Education and Counseling, which is also known as ADAC. Welcome to the show, Jane. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And as I said in the intro, we've known you for, I don't know, how many years, Jane? Do you think nine or ten or something? How long have you been going to the Compassionate Friends? Um, about 15 years ago, I start, I went to my first meeting. And you, Adi, was saying that you're one of the people who have not lost a child that comes to Compassionate Friends and presents and really gets it, right, Heidi? Yes, because as you know, Jane, people love your workshops. You connect very easily and on a deep level with bereaved parents. And the thing about Compassionate Friends is other than you and Dr. Bob Bauer, there aren't a lot of presenters there that haven't had the death of a child. And you are able to go in there and connect, and the, the bereaved parents leave feeling like you've heard them and acknowledged and validated them. And it's, it's kudos to you because that's an amazing gift that you have, and we'd love to talk to you more about what you think other professionals need out there. What do parents need from your experience? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, I really think that, that one of the things that, that kind of pulled me into this was someone coming to me uh, as a counselor uh, whose son had died, and she was really struggling uh, to find help, to find someone who would be um, really beneficial to her um, she said she had tried to work with some uh, some professionals who had lost a child, but I think from her interpretation, uh, these folks had uh, perhaps not had enough time uh, between the loss of their child and trying to work with other bereaved parents. Um, she had worked with some other professionals who were not bereaved parents uh, who just wanted them to kind of get over it. It's been three months, it's been a year, it's been two years, whatever the case may be. Um, they didn't know what to do. And this, this population of bereaved parents just feel, felt to me like a very underserved population uh, of people. And um, that's, that's exactly where I wanted to spend my time and uh, my heartfelt love for them. Um, it's, it's certainly not easy. Uh, to do that because somebody has to be the tough person sometimes. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about, I think, a little bit today about healthy grief. You know, I'm really interested that when you did your dissertation, you decided not to look at grief as pathological. You were annoyed that people 
looked at bereaved parents and their grief as pathological, so you decided to take a different tact, and that was to see what was most helpful to bereaved parents. What did you find? What were a couple of the major takeaways from your dissertation as far as what is most helpful? If I'm listening to the show, I'm a bereaved parent. What did you find most helpful? Well, I found a few things. Um, I I studied about 145 bereaved parents uh, and um, looking for ways for them to move forward. Um, It was the reason why I wrote my second book, Loving Connections, um, because the most powerful thing that really came out of that uh, was that parents were really looking for them to be able to grieve uh, for their their loved ones, their wonderful, sweet children, is that they could not end that relationship. But the relationship needed to be refined and redefined, uh, and they needed to be able to know what was going to fit best for them. It sounds to me like you're saying it's not wrong for me to be afraid that I might forget. I find that as one of the number one things, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely, yes. And so you're saying we can keep those connections, right? And, Mom, the other piece that goes along with that is, okay, if I move forward, then I'm going to leave my child behind and move further away from them, mm-hmm. That's, which plays right. right into what Jane is saying that she found. Right. Yeah, it's the dance. It's the dance of knowing that they can keep that child close to them in their heart, but also understanding that they may have a responsibility to surviving children. Um, They may have a responsibility to their jobs. They may have a responsibility to their parents who may get, you know, that are certainly going to get older. So it's that dance of back and forth uh, and helping, Mm -hmm. helping parents do that to keep that child in their heart. You know, I think one of the most um, heartbreaking things for most of the parents that I've worked with is Seeing those those surviving children develop uh, and change, having family pictures being taken without, for your instance, without Scott's picture being in there, right? Um, you know um, that is so hard, and you know so many parents sometimes will hold up that picture, you know, the picture of right. him in a new family picture, but it's never the same. Not only are they worried they're going to forget, they're worried everybody is going to forget. I loved how you said helping parents and working with them around defining, and what was it, finding their relationship with their deceased child, right? One thing I also heard there, Heidi, was I know you like uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, one of the things I heard you say, Jane, basically was people have to find a why. If they find a why, if it's their job... Or if, you know, it maybe it's even to themselves. If you can find a why to live, you will find a how. That's right. Exactly. And what I have found, too, Gloria, with that is that it is about being future-oriented. You know, um, there's every, every brief parent that I've ever, I've ever met with over 30 years of practice. Um, they are living, when they walk in my door, they're living in the past. They're living through the trauma. They're living uh, of what that happened, and and they need to have a chance to be able to do that. But eventually, we start kind of looking at something in the future, whether that would be a performance for a surviving child or whether that would be uh, an upcoming trip or whether that would be, you know, what uh, an educational program or whether whether that would be the TCF conference. 
um, you know, that when they can start looking forward, when they can start looking at the future, then I know that we are on the path to healthy grieving. And that's when I can come in and start working with them um, so that their heart is not all about the past, but it is starting to look at moving on, but moving on with their deceased child, not without them. And they don't know how to do that. Okay, so I'm listening to this show now, and I'm liking what I hear. A lot of these people are doctors, and I know you are, and doctor of psychology or doctor of social work or whatever, uh, or a marriage and family therapist. We're very intimidated by these, by these uh, degrees uh, when we've had a loss, and it's kind of a hard thing. I, I kind of sometimes think people ought to ask a friend or relative to help them maybe advocate with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I and again, I, I really believe that that's an important part of this work um, is that to be able to make sure that you're going to mesh with somebody, that you have a connection with that person. Um, because if there's not chemistry with that person, you're going to be pouring your heart out to them. If you don't feel like you're going to be safe with that person, it's not going to work. I don't care what kind of degrees they have, what kind of research they've done. If you don't connect with them on a heart-to-heart level, it isn't going to work. On the first on the first session, I a lot of times have somebody there with the person that's grieving in the room asking questions mm-hmm. with them, you know, just make sure that we're a good fit. It's pretty interesting for me um, for when clients come in, um, you know, I, and I, I taught at Kent State for 17 years as well in the, the, the master's and Ph.D. level counseling classes. Um, and what I taught my students, if nothing else, is when they sit down with a client, they need to sit down as if they have never heard the story before. And I don't care if you've seen that client 50 times. When that client goes back through and is giving you that information from their heart of what is really happening in their mind, you listen to it as if you've never heard the story before. Well, and the thing is, Jane, when you work, when I work with my bereaved clients, and I've seen them, some of them for years, I'm looking for subtle. They might retell their story over and over and over, the bereaved parents and siblings I work with. But I'm looking for subtle changes and shifts in their stories. I can point that out and move them kind of further along in their journey. And I'll bet those subtle shifts, Heidi, are usually future orientation. Exactly. Absolutely. I also love the idea that you've got a book out there, Loving Connections, because it sounds like I love your philosophy, and I know my mom does too, and the way that you work, and it sounds like a lot of what you found is in this book. Yes, a lot of this. This actually I started writing uh, with a friend of mine who's now deceased, actually. She died of leukemia right after the book came out, Lisa Heiser. Um, and um, Lisa and I put this together uh, with the the information that came out of my dissertation, uh, and then we started polling parents uh, and really put the book together uh, to try to be as helpful as we possibly could uh, to parents for making that continuing connection with their deceased loved one. That's the base of it. That, for me, when that continuing connection is there, Fear and the anxiety of that bereaved parent just plummet. And may I say that, and I think you would agree with this, if I'm listening to the show and I'm newly bereaved and it's my first year, we may be moving a little fast for you. Yes. 
exactly right. This this comes up, and when I was training counselors too, this comes up when it's supposed to come up. I have had people who have been ready to take that step very, very quickly. I'm working with a client right now whose son uh, was killed by a drunk driver in July, uh, and she came in specifically to work with me on making those connections with her son. She really felt like that was the only thing that was going to allow her to keep her head above water. And so that's what we're doing. I want to always meet the client where they are. Right, because, you know, uh, it depends a lot, too, on what your background is and what happened to you in the past and what has been your experience with grief and loss and and how they've died. And there are just so many variables. But, Jane, um, I wanted to talk about your new book, um, your latest. I love the name, Hoover and Honey Bunch Find Comfort in a Sometimes Scary World. Tell me why you wrote it, who you wrote it for, and where people can get it. Um, you can get it through Amazon. Um, I wrote it with another friend of mine, actually, who is a wonderful um, <clears throat> reporter and columnist uh, for one of our large papers here in northeastern Ohio. And what we were finding here at Counseling for Wellness is that we were having an inordinate amount of children coming in, mostly since 9-11, where they have been watching television or overhearing the news that mom and dad were watching thinking that these school tragedies were going to be happening again and again and again. Now, we can't guarantee, kiddos, that this is not going to happen, but they were watching it on television as if it was happening five, six, seven, eight times that same day. They're listening to the conversations that you're having with someone in your life. They're listening to the news that you're watching, or maybe you even have it on in the background. And they're making that a reality. The anxiety level of kids that we're seeing here at Counseling for Wellness over the last 15 years, really, um, is really showing us that we've got an anxiety problem. It's really scary for children when a brother or sister dies because, like you said, they they all of a sudden feel like they're living in an, an unsafe and unpredictable world. So, and, right, you know, exactly. who else is going to die? So I love this book for, for all of our bereaved people that are listening that have kids or that know kids. Yeah, a great book to have in your library. Well, Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, will we see you at Compassionate Friends? Heidi, where is it going to be? It's in Dallas. In Dallas, Dallas Texas, Texas. In July. So. I am going to do my best. Uh, as president of ADIC this year, my plate's a little full, so if I don't make it this year, I'll <laughs> definitely be there next. And ADAC will be where in April? Uh, we're in San Antonio this year. Okay, so, um, you know, anybody can come, right? Absolutely. Yep, we would love to have anyone come. There's a lot of good information there. Uh, from the, probably the authors from most of the books that your listeners have read. Yep, and great. Uh, they're great presentations, and if you're a person who needs continuing ed credit, you can get it there, and if you're just uh, a person who's interested in the field of grief and loss, there are really interesting presentations going on, so I hope you'll try to get to the Compassionate Friends and to Association of Death Educators, and thank you so much for being on the show today, Jane. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, Jane, and thanks for all the incredible work you do in so many areas of the grief and loss world. Well, thanks, Heidi. I appreciate that. And thanks for listening to the show today. And yes, grief is not necessarily pathological. It is a normal response to a very abnormal 
event in your life. So take care of yourself, and Heidi and I want to remind you that if you've had a loss and you're feeling hopeless, just lean on ours till you find your own. And thanks for listening. God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope. <laughs>